Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Steve Mello with me from Louisiana, and Steve has had an interesting journey um, going from being a swim, swim coach to now an executive coach. Do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about your work, who you serve, what you do, where you are, all the things? Absolutely. April, appreciate you having me on. And people just heard that I'm from Louisiana and now I'm talking and everyone's very confused. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a British I'm a British person that lives in Louisiana. Um, but my background was uh, sports coaching as a swim coach for a long, long time. And then I decided to pivot into executive coaching, business coaching, leadership training, workshops, speaking publicly, etc. Uh, all these sort of things that are just dialed towards encouraging people and supporting people towards being their optimal self. And, and that's, that's, that's what I believe in at, at heart. And that's what my pretty much my day is built around now is serving and generating interest and in helping people become their optimal self. That was amazing. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that I didn't read your bio that you just went ahead and said it. Thank you for yeah. that. Um, now, I noticed that you've been working from home for two years. So I'm curious if this is a trajectory that you had planned on or if this is something that you pivoted to because of COVID. Uh, it was a bit of both. <clears throat> it's a bit of both. But COVID definitely gave me this um, confidence uh, that I could actually pull it off, I guess. That yeah. I, I could I could maintain that element of accountability that comes with not having to be at your desk at a certain time and someone not watching over your shoulder, etc. Um, so for me, that was very reassuring. Um, in part surprising too, when I thought back to my school days and how difficult it was for me to do any work whatsoever when I was in school. And so I, I must have grown from from then. But at the same time, I always had this entrepreneurship like thing within me. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that gave me a little bit of a bug in and during COVID of just like, hey, you know, maybe if you wanted to own your own thing one day and do your own thing one day, there's a possibility you could do it. So just put that one away and Keep it in mind and and then lo and behold the opportunity to really start my own business almost came without me even having to work for it it just appeared uh wow. through through some very natural growth and uh once once the the universe told me it was time i i said yes to the universe and here i am so help me out with the timeline a little bit because i feel like you said somewhere that you have been doing a podcast for five years mm -hmm. was that yes. about swimming or career coaching <laughs> So yeah, so the podcast is now what my business is called. It's called Career Competitor. And uh -huh. the podcast started uh, in the summer of 2018. So I'm hitting five years now. And yeah. for me, that was actually part of part of the almost discomfort I had at times as a swim coach was that I was kind of zagging while most swim coaches zigged. And what I mean by that is that they all came from this like scientific kinesiology biology background and i was a communication major you know i was i was i was not a sports scientist or anything like that i understood the sport i did it to a high level as an athlete uh, but i was always communicating over studying let's say when it comes to the sport and and for me that meant building relationships with my athletes getting to know them on more personal levels etc and in 2018 uh, I, I started the podcast and so it's been going about five years now and through the course of that initial uh, couple of years as a swim coach when I was working at LSU I had athletes really encouraging me to just go ahead and, and start a podcast because podcasting was kind of starting to take off around 2016 2017 and I sat on it for a while and thought about what was my comfort in the idea of starting a podcast. And so what the podcast was initially was having former athletes come on and tell me how they're thriving and doing great in life while 
by relying on the almost their characteristics that allow them to be a great athlete, but how those same characteristics are serving them in a completely different world in a different space, almost as a way of giving a message to current athletes of just like, hey, don't panic about being done with sports once you're done with sports. Like you have so much more to give to this world. You have so many different careers that are available to you. Uh, and so that's where the podcast kind of started. And and five years later, I'm still doing it. So tell me if I'm right or wrong here. Um, I've actually been writing resumes with actually a former person, um, a former person, a person that I interviewed on my podcast formerly. Um, and one of the things that I've come across is that athletes apparently are just like gobbled up by the sales industry. Like a lot of them just make terrific salespeople gobbled up in a good way. Um, you know, like that they are, they're sought after because they have not just, um, the competitive nature, but also like a team, a team spirit. Yeah, they get it. They, they, they get it. And they, they, there's something about that. Uh, those, those two elements that you, you talk about there that, you know, how, how can they be accountable for who they are and what they do each and every day, but then how can they immerse themselves as a part of a team and be about, Hey, we're all doing this for one another, for the good of the cause, et cetera. And, and those sort of things, while they learn those things through sport at the same time, once you learn it to a certain level, you almost build this like sixth sense for it. So when you walk into a place and if you see it's missing, then you almost take initiative to bring it a little mm -hmm. bit as an athlete. Um, so I think it's almost as much as it is those two things, it's that sort of like secret third element that, hey, if I if I hire a few athletes, they're actually going to help me build maybe something that's currently missing right now within within my culture and within my organization. I, I hear it a lot all the time. I get asked by clients and people within my network, like, do you have any athletes that have recently graduated? And <laughs> about yeah. this? And so I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And then, I mean, often they also go into, you know, the more medical field um, training and physical therapy and things like that too. But I, I still see that sales thing is just like a big, a big part of what, you know, Definitely. I didn't know the connection the lady I work with, you know, explained it to me. I was like, well, I yeah. guess it makes sense. Yeah. And then I talked with a salesperson. I had no idea he had been an athlete in high school, but I asked him and he's like, oh yeah, that was really a big part of my life. <laughs> so, um, are you seeing the same trends too, or a little bit of everything? Yeah, I, I see a lot of the same trends. Um, you know, I think the, the, the part for me that is really interesting from just that athlete hiring mindset is the almost they're equipped to lead earlier um mm. you know there's something about that that goes you know the, and it's not this isn't like foolproof you know there's always going to be exceptions mm. to these sort of things but for the most part you have elements of leadership that you learn at a very accelerated rate as a as an athlete and perfect oh, example yeah. is when you go from being a freshman to being a senior by the time you're a senior when i was a coach i would look at my seniors and they would complain about a freshman and I would sort of like tap them on the shoulder and be like, three years ago, yeah. you were doing the same things. <laughs> like, you know, remember that? That this mm -hmm. is called humility. This is how we be humble, right? You know, and then that's a, obviously a huge leadership trait. And they would slowly get their head around, like, oh yeah, I'm complaining about something that I myself was doing three years ago. Maybe I should be a bit more, you know, gracious towards that and use this as an opportunity to teach, if you will. I mean, I see that in all aspects, all aspects of life, even as a, a parent <laughs> and, uh, right. um, yeah, especially as a parent, I would have to say, I judged a lot of parents pretty harshly, especially my own. <laughs> and yeah. then, and then you come around and yeah, it's like eating your words. Right. <laughs> um, 
So you were literally coaching swimming though, when the pandemic started. Yes. So at that point, were you, would you say that you were like 50, 50 doing your own thing versus the um, coaching or were <clears> you already 75% into your career competitor stuff? Yeah, I was definitely 50, 50 right then. It was, it was, that was the irony of all of that time was it was around that sort of spring summer of 2020 where I had started to get some feedback from people that had come on the podcast, people that were established executives, business owners, and they would just sort of say to me like, so is this what you do? And I go, well, there's not a lot of money in the podcasting world. So no, you know, my wife would probably leave me if I told her I was going all in on the podcast. And, um, and so mm -hmm. they would say, well, no, 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 that's not what I mean. And it's just like, do you work with executives? Do you work with business owners? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm a swim coach. And they were like, oh, that's, interesting so and and then they would give me some feedback on just my ability to hear hear things and pick up on certain things and have a perspective for certain things and they said there's there's something about your perspective that is sought after when it comes to coaching and development within the world of corporate america or whatever you want to call it and so i would say thank you and go back to whatever i was doing that day and 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 but this kept happening it kept happening every every other episode and then from every other episode it would be like two of every three episodes and then it was almost every single time i just kept getting this feedback and so through the course of uh covid i was doing a lot more podcasting uh everybody wanted to do podcasts during during covid and so for me, I was getting this feedback constantly. And I started to put some thoughts down by that point and really started to think about this thing. And, you know, lo and behold, it took me 12 more months to really pull the plug. And by yeah. the fall of 2021, I was all in on career competitive. So what is it that you think they were identifying in you or your personality or delivery that was being that they wanted more of? Yeah, it's it's that word um just perceptive like that that word it, it, I, I heard it a lot in the feedback that I would get and then I've even done like a few personality tests and things like that since I started my business and it's always like right there at the top every single time there's something about my personality where maybe I'm picking up on things in the room that nobody else is pick up, picking up on or I'm, I'm hearing a certain word being used consistently by someone that they themselves don't even realize they're using mm. you know these little tells and these little details they're, they're things that I've always just kind of taken for granted because it's just me being me. And, but it turns out that it's a very sought after, you know, trait and characteristic, especially once I really dove into full-time career and leadership and executive coaching, the, the more I would sit down with someone one-on-one -on -one and let them know, like, do you realize you're saying this? Do you realize you're thinking this? Sometimes they would just be like, no, and no one's ever told me. And I'm like, well, hmm. you're saying it and you need to hear that you're saying it. And and now we can talk about what you want to do about that. You know, so it's it, it's that's where it really started. And that's what I've come to learn about myself. Do you think that intuition that you developed came from your background in communication? Yeah, it's and I think my to be honest, my intuition and my curiosity came even before then, like even like, as a kid growing up, like that was mm. I was always me. I was always more curious than the people around me. I was always anticipating things, I guess, before other people anticipated it. And the the funny thing was I would do it in a way where I would try to take a situation and improve the situation in the process. So like, how can we make this more fun? How can we make this more creative? How can we have a better time? You know, it was always that element of anticipation that came with it too. And 
So it was fun for, as a kid, it made a lot of sense to do that. And that's why I gravitated towards communication. And in the end, I went into did some management stuff too in my education, because that meant I get to work with people. And that's, yeah. I've always loved people. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so tell me a little bit about how your life changed um, that spring of 2020. Uh, when you well, what happened to swim coaching <laughs> during that time? Yeah, it's so funny. Like, you know, the obviously with COVID being COVID, everything gets shut down as a swim coach. I've joked about this now a few times with so many people. It's just like, won't they take the pool away? There's not much to do as a swim coach, right? Oh, <laughs> you know, so yeah. it, you you sort of sit there and you just go, okay, you know, what does my day to day now look like? And the one thing I just kind of told myself through COVID was like, I'm not going to just sit and wait, like I am going to be proactive in some way. So I, you know, I even started putting together some personal development stuff that I could share with athletes. I put together leadership development stuff that I could share with athletes. Like I was just taking complete initiative for how we could use this time in a way to grow as athletes and grow as people. And then even share it with the coaching staff too. Just like, Hey coaches, like we shouldn't be sitting around twiddling our thumbs, waiting for this thing to be done. Like we should find ways to get better during this time, even if we can't do it physically. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, and that, that's the irony too, is that doing what I'm doing now, I didn't know it at the time, but I was planting those initial seeds of what my business would end up becoming. So it was, yeah, I, I made the best of a, a really, obviously a difficult situation for so many. I, I think that some people really grabbed it by the horns and took initiative to, to, you know, make the most of that time and other people enjoyed the break from the hustle and bustle of life. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think yeah. in our household, we had a mix. I also started my podcast during the pandemic, but it was planned. Um, it actually got delayed a little bit because of the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. I had re- originally planned on doing focus groups in person, um, asking a lot of questions about what people wanted and needed, you know, um, so as far as support for working from home and, everything just took a little bit longer than I had planned on, which was frustrating because I wished that I had my, my original plan was to have it launch around March. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, here we are. Um, so how did, how did your household change during that time? Oh my gosh. Um, so my wife was working in a hospital at the time. So she was still, um, not as frequently, but she was still having to go and work. She's, she was, still as a pharmacist, but she was working within a hospital at the time as a pharmacist. So she was mm-hmm. in some, and, and in a very highly established position within a hospital too. So she was on mm-hmm. a lot of phone calls and things like that. But we had an eight month old daughter at the time. And, oh. um, and my wife, uh, I'm trying to think now, let me get the dates right. Yes. She was also three months pregnant with our son too. So, um, so she, pregnant wife going to and from a hospital, uh, husband very worried that his pregnant wife is going to and from a hospital of course. Um, while we manage our seven, eight month daughter at the oh, time. Yeah. Uh, my my mother-in-law was coming to stay with us to, to help with all of that. And obviously once she came and stayed with us, there was so many rules and restrictions in place that she was pretty much here per- living with us. Permanent. Um, yeah. It's like, okay, you're here now, <laughs> you know? So that was that. And, um, you know, but before long, you, you build a routine, you know, those growing pains were real at the start. There's no doubt about it. Um, but at the same time, the more I could implement a routine, 
I mean, I, I was, I'm, I'm such an advocate and uh, a living proof of what routine can do for someone, but also what a lack of routine can do for someone too. Like I don't do well when I lose my routine, okay. but I was having to create one from scratch, right? As we all were mm -hmm. during that time. Mm -hmm. So. And um, at that point you were, you were kind of winging it um, as far as making the podcast and your coaching business take off. I mean, you basically did you double up on like episodes during that time or? Yeah, my favorite. So my favorite part of that, that podcasting time was because um, I had because I, I just had a daughter. So six, seven months old. And I was just like all in on women at that point. I was just like women rights, everything <laughs> for women. I, I was just like, right. I'm, I'm a father of a daughter now. Let's go. Let's, you know, women are the best and all this kind of thing. And so I did this 10 part um Women Changing the World, I think is what I called it. Uh, women Changing the World. And it was a 10-part series where I interviewed 10 women straight on the on the show. Nice. And um, yeah, and it was 10 completely different stories, but women that are just crushing it in their own respective way. And that was, it was fun to kind of like create series during that time, like as opposed to just sort of taking episodes one at a time. There was mm -hmm. almost this like, oh, I can be a little bit more, you know, strategic about how I do this. Um, and I look back on some of those interviews I did during that time. And they were some of my, you know, my favorite uh, interviews just because of the circumstances, everything was happening. You know, it was, there were some really nice conversations. For me, it was nice to just be able to talk to people outside of exactly. a house. <laughs> exactly. I enjoyed that. Um, and then have you, I don't know if I should ask you this. We can cut it out if you want, if you don't want to ask, right. answer it, but did you ever monetize your podcast? I haven't. No. I mean, I've done a little bit of, I've done some favors for people. I've like, people come on, they go, Hey, I, I'm selling this product, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Hey, send me, send me one product and I'll, you know, you can have as much airtime on the show as you want talking about your product. Um, aside from that, no, I've never, I've never really made a commitment to do that. Um, so at this point, the career coaching, small business, uh, coaching, Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial how do you say it <laughs> all of those things <laughs> all those things um my mouse isn't working so I can't like cheat and look at my notes <laughs> right. um that has been your main form of income now in the last year or so yeah so it's uh, I've been very very fortunate through the first 12 to 18 months of the of the business in that uh, you know this network that I had when I was building my podcast was was just sitting there waiting when I decided to start my business. So the first thing I did was I went to anyone and everyone that had been on the show or knew someone that had been on the show, et cetera, and just let everybody know this is what I'm doing now. This is who I am now. Uh, I got a couple of clients quickly, which was amazing and just very reassuring to know that there'll be some money coming in. And um, but then then I got far enough ahead in terms of just some income where I could start to play around and, and make a few different decisions about how do I grow as opposed to just simply one-on-one -on -one coaching. What, what can I do beyond that? And so now I do lots of things with workshops um, and then just some public speaking engagements as well, uh, just because I have a few key messages in a lot of the work that I do that people tend to resonate and appreciate with. Um, but I also wrote a book last year too, which was kind of fun so like for me that was a big deal of 2022 and to do that in my first year of business was very uh you know very helpful because it, it's allowed me to very very much leverage the content that i provide now with the people that i work with and i can always tie things back to the book so shock the world that's it a competitor's guide to realizing your potential i uh, you want to give us 
uh, quick overview in a nutshell? Yes. But one of my favorite things to say about it uh, to, off the bat is that, you know, we, we live in a world where for whatever reason, there's usually four or five reasons not to do something versus why we should do something. And we're sadly, as humans, we're very good at paying attention to those four or five reasons not to. And, yeah. you know, for, for me, I, I have made a life not only as myself, but also with just those that I've been able to coach and who have really wanted to truly be impacted by my coaching. They've always fallen into that group of people that are willing to consider the one reason why they should. And the, the, the premise of the book is a, a guy that I met back in 2019, recruited to LSU where I was coaching. Uh, long story short, in a space of 18 months, he went from an unrecruited athlete to an Olympic gold medalist. Whoa. And yeah. So it happened fast, happened fast. And it was, it was one of those things where um, it was, you could call it fate. You could call it just sheer belief and willpower, uh, timing, whatever you want to call it. But at the heart of that story was someone who had this belief that they were capable and what happened to walk into a, you know, the room with a coach that was willing to listen to them and not laugh at them and, and, and really give them the opportunity to, to pursue that that capability that they had and uh like i said we we got an extra year because the olympic games were pushed back all oh, right and so yeah so we 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 took advantage of that year and that was that year was the difference between maybe not making the team and making the team and he was able to then go on to the olympic games as a as a member of their uh, one of the relays with the u.s team and and bring home an olympic gold medal but the book has about 16 17 other stories of guests from my podcast that have in their own respective way you know, very much shocked their worlds and and done some incredible things too. So yeah, it was, it's a fun book. <laughs> That's so cool. So a lot of the people that you work with, um, probably on the podcast and the people that you're coaching, um, would you say like half of them work from home or more or less? Um, it's definitely 50, 50. Yeah, it's 50, 50. And I think it's, it's really, it's been very interesting. The ones that don't work from home, I actually make the point. That's the only real reason I have to leave the house is to go and meet with clients in person. And so anybody that does not work at home, who's comfortable with me coming to their office, I will go and coach them one-on-one -on -one or perform workshops in, in person. Um, whereas the folks that, you know, do work from home, we just, we just do it the same way you and I are doing it right now um, mm -hmm. with this podcast. But uh, yeah. That was going to be one of my next questions was to ask, what's your delivery method? So um, are you mostly serving the local area in Louisiana or are you, um, for the, those that work from home, are you seeing an international crowd? Yeah, I go. So I, I actually do a little bit of coaching with some folks in the UK just because I have some contacts there. Um, yep. So I definitely don't make that commute. We do that. We do that <laughs> virtual. I um, mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I love them, but it's, they're not quite that worth it. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> we won't let them hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. They'll they'll laugh. They'll laugh. Um, but no, at the same time, um, the one thing I am, you know, and when it comes to working from home, one of my key reminders to myself is that and it almost goes back to april to what you were saying with um with during covid and just being able to talk to people if there's an opportunity to do something in person just because i work from home mm -hmm. you know i'm I'm not gonna take someone up on the opportunity to do it in person i i'm, I'm gonna leave the house and go see them um you know so for me and I, I do serve a lot of local businesses here in the in louisiana but at the same time um i actually love the the virtual format too because as a coach there's all this stuff you can use on your computer while you're actually coaching someone and it's very uh, ben beneficial to actually access that in the moment versus maybe after a 
you know, a, a, a coaching session, for instance. So yeah, it's, there's, there's pros and cons to both, but at the same time, I, I feel like I have a really nice balance at this point. I'm curious, what kind of things are you finding um, are easily shared during the coaching session online? Yeah. So perfect example would be uh, everyone that I work with, we always try to move towards making commitments. And, and so it's like, okay, by the end of the session, we're going to have a couple of commitments based on the conversation we've had. Okay. And the beautiful thing is that we can write those commitments down while we're talking and have them on a shared screen in some way, shape or form. And we can look at the commitment and, and it's, it's one thing to say a commitment, but to actually then look at what you said, it's like this second level of commitment. It's like this, okay, I'm looking at what I said. I'm looking at what I committed to. I see it on the on the on the screen in front of me. Mm-hmm. Now I can start to say, one, is the commitment important enough for me to really follow through with? And if it is, two, what are maybe some of the key steps I can take towards actually honoring the commitment? And and that's the really fun part of doing it virtual is that you can just type out ideas and you can just play around with almost like a brain dump, if you will. Yeah. Um, through the session. So I love that part of it. Cause I think for me, it's like, there's no bad idea. There's no bad thought. It's just like, bring it all out. Let's see what we got. You know, I can see there being an extra level of accountability there too, because if I'm writing down my commitment or my goal on paper, <laughs> it's private. Um, where if you're sharing the screens, like everyone can see. Yep. That's right. That's right. And I love that part too. It's just like, I, I tell everybody like coaching is a shared space. It's, I think the, the, term coaching people hear it and they, they think of the sports world and they think of someone like screaming at them do this do this do this and it's it's so not that in the in the space of personal coaching executive coaching career coaching whatever you want to call it it's about sharing a space where someone is able to bring their full self into that into that space and know that 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 version of themselves is going to be honored and respected by their coach and the coach is going to hear really what it is they're trying to you know, reach within their life or within their career, whatever it may be. And I love that part of it is like, no one's, no one person is the same as the next. And so everyone's version of success and commitments and process, it's all different, you know? So I I love sharing those spaces with people. So I was never an athlete. Um, We're not a very sportsy family here with my kids either, but I was a musician and I understand training in terms of like muscle memory for like playing piano um, or singing, you know, just the repetition and again that muscle memory so when you are coaching someone you're you're working different muscles are you thinking you're what is it that you're working when you're working with someone coaching like personality stuff or uh goal goal uh what i'm trying to say um habits yeah <laughs> like, so i, I was I, yeah <clears throat> i think it, i could almost see the word on the on the tip of your tongue this is like that <laughs> everything that you're talking about with a musician or, uh, you know, one, one thing I did up until the age of 17, 18 is I, I did a lot of theater too. And and so for me, like the ability to remember lines and remember where you're supposed to be stood on the stage when you deliver those lines, like it's, mm-hmm. it's creating habits. It's a habitual process where mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this character just said this and then now moving over here. And I love music too. I probably, my only regret in life is never learning an instrument because I've been can. told like, well, that's it. That's it. So that's the that's the beauty of the you know I, my my son seems to have picked up the guitar. He's like two and a half, and he's got this little baby guitar, Aww. and he can't he can't put it down. I'm like, maybe daddy can learn the guitar with you. How about that? Um, yeah. so that would be pretty sweet. But um, but yeah, now that those habits and that routine again, going back to that word, like we're as humans, we're just so habitual sometimes to a detriment, but sometimes potentially like it, it really reveals our potential when you start thinking about hey. 
I can't do this, but I also don't have any routine or any habits that are going to serve me accomplishing that. So let's just start there. How do I start with some of those initial habits that can create the routine? And then from the routine, then I can start maybe thinking a little bit more about realizing my potential in this. I'm looking over here because I'm trying to find my book, but I did learn that there's a difference between routines and habits. And I know you know this, but for the listeners, um, habits are something that you can do without thinking. Routines are the things that you have to learn to do, even though you don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way of putting it. That's a great way to put it. It's not the best way of putting it, but you know, like, um, like, yeah, I can, I can habitually, you know, turn to the left and turn off my light switch every night. And then if I, you know, go into a different room, I'm going to accidentally hit the wrong way because, you know, the light switch is over there. Um, or I can just routinely grab a glass of water on my way out the kitchen. But, um, the things that, you know, take practice and dedication, you have to be a little bit more intentional about it. So do you have any tips on how to build good routines? You know, I do, you know, one, one thing with, um, because, because routines are a product of, of habits. One thing I actually do with clients is that we actually try to reframe this, this term, uh, this terminology of habits and bad habits to mm-hmm. habits and problems. So instead oh. of calling it a bad habit, we call it a problem because with every problem comes a solution. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of it is that sometimes, you know, for instance, my bad habit is eating popcorn at night after I'm done with dinner. That's my bad habit. You know? I had some for breakfast this morning. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so for me, for me, and the reason I do it is because half my pantry is targeted towards a two and a three-year-old. So, you know, no, yeah. at a certain point, I'm only so strong, you know, so the, But here's the thing, like you could, could, if I really wanted to overcome that, then the first step I would take is to start calling that bad habit a problem and say, okay, it's a problem. It's a problem. And for whatever reason, I've decided that I don't want to eat popcorn anymore after eight o'clock and I'm going to get rid of this problem in my life. So now that I've called it a problem, the beauty of that is I can create a solution and I can start thinking, okay, what does the solution look like to that? How do I change my habits? How do I change my patterns at eight o'clock? What is it I'm doing after eight o'clock that ends up with me always at the pantry, grabbing the bag of popcorn and pouring it into a bowl, you know? And so that, that is a great way to start is that like, listen, I want to have a routine that allows me to do X. Okay. So what are my bad habits currently preventing me from that routine? Okay. Now that I know those are bad habits, let's, let's, let's frame them as problems and let's start looking at some solutions. And and you see how I did that there is that you get to a point where you go, okay, this isn't about creating the routine. This is simply about looking at a problem and finding a solution. If we start there, then we've got other steps to come. Yes, we've still got to create the routine, but there's no point thinking about the routine until we actually overcome the problem. So hide the popcorn. That's it. That's <laughs> what it. Did you, what did you do? What or did I do? Not, or have you what not figured you... that out yet? Popcorn. No, I still haven't figured it out. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still haven't figured it out. And I'm okay with it. You know, again, it's 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 one of those things is like, you know, while I while I say all of that, you know, I, I jokingly talk about I I love using that reference of popcorn, is that it's it's relatable. We all get it, you know, we understand. Mm-hmm. And while it's very true, and my wife gives me crap all the time, it's just like you're doing it again, you're grabbing the popcorn, and mm-hmm. you know, it's like, all right, well, you know. I've had a hard day. <laughs> yeah. So question, is your popcorn pre-popped or is it something that you have to go and make? It's pre-popped. That's the thing. It's already, yeah, it's there and it's ready, you know. Go buy the kernels and then is that extra yeah, that's stuff, it. that barrier. That's it. I, appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the coaching. <laughs> um, so talk a little bit about life with a two and three-year-old in your home um, and working from home primarily. Yeah, it's, you know, we we have daycare during the day. We take yep. them to daycare. That being said, um, 
it's it's so funny just going back to habits and routines um when i first started my business one of the main reasons was that i wanted to be at home present as a father much more consistently that was right at the heart of my why for why i started my business and mm -hmm. i have this little board of principles and why i do what i do over here so it, it never gets i never forget it let's put it that way and, and so the reason i'm telling you that is that I actually wake up early in the day so I can do about an hour of work and or just organization for my day mm -hmm. before the rest of my house wakes up. You oh, yeah. know? And, I get it. And, and, yeah. And, and and that ability though is just like to then be completely present for that hour of waking the kids up and getting them out and getting them dressed and getting them fed and getting them in the car, et cetera. Like it, you can either look at that as like this thing that you got to get done or this amazing opportunity that you get to spend with your kids for an hour every single day. And, and so for me, I really see that as a, as, as such a huge benefit to my day now is that I get this hour of undivided attention with my kids uh, in the morning uh, mm -hmm. that I otherwise wouldn't have had if I'd remained in, in swim coaching. And, and, you know, usually I'm now the one that's taking them to school too. Mm -hmm. So I get them in the car and we drive to school and we listen to some Disney songs on the way and all this kind of thing. And, and that's the first hour of my day. And it, it's mm -hmm. so it's such a fun way to start the day. You know, I, I say that today because today was a good day. Don't get uh -huh. me wrong. Two and three year olds, <laughs> not always fun, not always fun, but no, it's, it, it does really serve just my, my general day and just the, the sort of outlook that I have, I guess, towards my day too. Do you also pick them up at the end of the day or does your wife grab them on the way? My wife home? does. Yeah. We kind of alternate. Yeah. We alternate. So, um, in our household, uh, mornings have been a struggle at times, but in the last year, um, they've gotten way better. I don't know really what happened. I think, um, one of my kids kind of chilled out during the pandemic <laughs> and we came back a little stronger. Um, but I feel like that time in the morning in the car and on the way home, I get them both times. Most of the time. Um, I, I know that there's services that you can pay that someone will deliver your kids to school and pick them up or whatever. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, you can, it's almost like Uber for kids. Wow. And, um, you also can carpool, you know, ride chair with other families. Um, and I've looked into it a few times, but I, I would really miss that connection with the kids. A lot of times that's where they talk. It's so real. It's so real. And again, I like, these are the things that it's so easy to just take it for granted. And in is having even just literally you and I having this conversation right now, like chances are tomorrow morning. I'm going to be even more present, even more dialed in, even more excited to take them to school tomorrow, you know, just simply because you and I are, are bringing it back to the surface again, right to the front of my mind of just like, it, it's something we need to appreciate and, and really, uh, you know, just love while you can, because there will come a time where they're older and they won't care at all that dad's taking them to school, but right now they do, they really enjoy it. So maybe they still care longer than they will let on. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> um, when you are working from home and your kids are in, in daycare right now, do you mm. feel like that still helps you be more present in some way as a parent? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's a, it's a reset, you know, and, and, and again, I, I joke, you know, my, my wife started working from home just last week uh, for the first time ever. Oh. Yeah. Yes. So it's a new dynamic in our, in our marriage. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you know, we, in the same way that I know many marriages out there will, will admit, like, you know, we, we get our time apart during the day, which means, which is why we enjoy one another so much in the evening, <laughs> et cetera. And, and so like that, I, I've always understood that and I, I, I get it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we have this new 
new thing now within our marriage where it's like we're going to see each other most of the day now every day and it's for me we i joked about it last week on a, a couple of social media posts and stuff like she's already getting into habits of calling me from downstairs you know my office is upstairs and she's downstairs and, and it's just like like first time she did it i was like are we really doing this right now are you calling me right now <laughs> oh you yeah it's just like so okay so we need office phones now okay <laughs> we're doing this we're we have the uh, echo dots now in i think one in every bedroom and another one downstairs and we've yeah. started using them like an intercom and it's weird yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then but we're it, not we're not that far away from doing that probably at this point so. yeah um so you do have separate workspaces i take it um and she's still doing pharmacy work from home she is she's working for a pharmaceutical company now yeah my second interview ever was with nicole Eplin, and she was a work from home pharmacist Awesome. Um, she did more of the IT side of pharmacy and like okay. getting, implementing um, medications, you know, and other safety things. Hmm. And she could do it from home. Awesome. Um, so do you both have a dedicated workspace? We do. Yeah, we do. And she's in the process of creating hers really right now. And, and that is something that we came to realize just last week is that hers will not suffice. <laughs> and she's got some Ooh. she's got some work to do on that. So. So do you want to tell me about that? Or do you want me to just interview her separately now? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I was, I told her right before this, I was like, oh, I'm coming on this. It's like maybe six months from now, maybe she'll be a great guest to come on. Oh, okay. The, the, the first six months of our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of things does she find she needs to change that you already have? Well, I think she uh, actually, because for, for me, I knew the moment I started this, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be in any way productive if I don't have an office if I don't have a space like that, that's just who I am now mm -hmm. up until this point if, if anything else that she's doing outside of her work she's always been so productive sat on the couch or sat in the bed or whatever it is and I think she realized just really quickly last week it's like this isn't just an hour here and an hour there anymore this is my day this is yeah. my entire day and I can't just sit on the couch and yeah. be productive you know I'm shaking my head no and saying yeah but yeah, yeah. that's correct like yes. I do I can work on the couch for a half hour or an hour but my back will hurt yep um and there's different chairs in the house that are more comfortable and sometimes I will rotate around but I know where I I have about three different places now that I can sit and I know that I won't hurt <laughs> yep um and then several places that I will sit and I will hurt mm -hmm. so does she have a desk and a chair now she does. And she's going through, we're going through the process of like renovating part of the uh, downstairs of the house, actually, to to really equip it as ideally as possible oh, nice. for her. So yeah, and, and that's the that's the thing with all this stuff It's just like, it's the same as coaching. It's me telling my wife two or three weeks ago when I knew she'd start working from home. Hey, you're gonna need a workspace. If I mm -hmm. if I'd said that she wouldn't she'd be like, shut up, stop. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but instead, she had a week. She mm -hmm. gave it a go and she's like, I need a workspace. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, great. You figured it out on your own. Yep. The same way anyone should be allowed to just figure out what's right for them. Like, just, mm -hmm. just go ahead and figure it out. You don't need me to tell you that, you know? So um, my husband and I both work from home only one day a week at the same time right now. I work from home three days a week and he works from home two days a week, but we only overlap on Mondays actually. So we're both here today. Um, we generally work in different spaces in the house and then we meet together for like breaks and lunch, kind of right. like you would in a break room. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I like it. I, I have um, gravitated towards the kitchen table recently. That's one of the chairs that I don't hurt in. <laughs> yeah. um, and so he'll sneak down and grab a snack if I'm like in a call. 
Um, <clears throat> I don't record the podcast on there. Um, but yeah, I think right now we're planning on both napping over our lunch break because he only slept about two hours last night and I slept probably about the same. Um, just, I don't know. He was, he was kind of recovering from being sick and I was actually downstairs on the couch trying to wake up to work on something. And I just kept getting snooze for like four hours. Um, so that's kind of fun, you know, just to be able to like, some days we'll eat lunch together. Sometimes we'll go out for lunch together and sometimes we'll just like zonk out. <laughs> it, it is. And, and again, we, uh, there's not an ounce of me that is even remotely concerned about us adapting to working in the house together, mainly because we're both massive cheerleaders for one another's careers. Like we just are, we, we when we met, we met when we were, uh, I was 31 and she was 30. And and so by that point in life, you've got yourself figured out pretty yep, good. We and, were 31. And, yeah. And, and so for me, it's like, her entire story up to the age of 30 was about doing things her way and independence and traveling and all this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I had my own story and I was like, I'll be damned if I'm going to get married to you and just tell you to change, you know? So it's yeah. just like, you, you are who you are. I am who I am. We love each other for that, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just beautiful to be able to like see her now doing this different career and be like, how can I, how can I support that? How, how, how do I help that grow and flourish? And mm -hmm. so when we meet, as we did last week for the, the odd little five minute chat here and there, she was filling me in on all these exciting new things going on. And, and I was telling her on some stuff I was accomplishing too. And it's, we just keep being cheerleaders for each other. So the biggest difference between the two of you and your careers is that you're entrepreneurial and she's mm -hmm. still corporate. Yes. So how is that impacting um, like the way that you communicate with your colleagues or clients and the way that she communicates with hers? Um, it, it, I love that question because it, it makes me think straight away of just what I've come to learn as a business owner in these first two years is that it's my business and it's, but at the same time, I'm always representing the business and, and myself. And I mm -hmm. think that's the thing within corporate is that every conversation you have to some extent, you're probably representing the business, the corporation, your employer, however you want to put it. And you want to obviously do a, a good job portraying that and representing that. And it took me a little while to sort of wrap my head around that is that, you know, it's just me being me and I'm saying hi and I'm making business, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, well, no, they, it goes beyond just you being you. Like they may enjoy talking to you. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, they're also assessing your business based on who you are, how you represent yourself, how you represent the business. Mm -hmm. And I've actually learned a lot from just hearing some of the calls that she's been on over the last couple of years with her previous job and hearing how she represents, clearly is representing the institution that is paying her in the way in which she's conducting herself. And I'm thinking, I kind of need a little bit more of that myself. Like I, I need to be me, but at the same time, people I'm asking people to potentially invest in my service it's not mm -hmm. just me it's my service as well so how do I represent the business behind the person as well can you put a finger on that is it like just like the professionalism and like the way you greet people or hang up call yeah it's it's for, for me <laughs> one thing my wife will tell you is that my voice goes up like an octave this <laughs> 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 is like it's like now you're talking to see you know this is like the little little <laughs> voice change but at the same time it's it's me just simply knowing what my business is. And that's what I, I'd like to think anyone listen to this who's been a who is a business owner through that first year, you think you know what your business is. And 12 months later, you look back on what you thought it was and like, oh my gosh, it's like it's so not that. It's something completely different. And I've spent 18 months listening to clients, listening to people that have actually invested in my services, 
to get a better feel of what it is I do and how it is I serve them. And the more I've gotten clear on that, the more I've learned to talk less about me and more about the service. And that's a big part for me too, is at first, mm. I was just talking about me because I didn't really have a business. Whereas okay. now I have to talk a little bit more about what it is I can actually do for people. Selling the service versus your personality. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So um, I also understand that you, not just with time management, um, but you also have a pretty good grasp on like the mental aspect of um, business. I don't know how to put that. Um, hmm. What is it that we said at the beginning that you, I'm, I'm looking, I'm cheating. Um, mental health. Yeah. So you, you bring that into your business. How do you, how do you do that? Well, you know, I, I do in the sense that I respect it enormously as someone who is a beneficiary of, of the mental health movement. Like for me, I, I was clinically diagnosed as depressed about seven years ago. And for me to actually come to terms and accept that was a whole process in itself. Mm. And once I then started to become a beneficiary of the work that I was doing with my therapist, and I still do to this day, mm -hmm. uh, it, it allowed me to start seeing things through a much clearer lens of just like, there is no box that you have to like, Hey, if you see someone that looks like this, then you know, they're having struggles with mental health. It, it literally is no such thing. Nope. Like it, everyone has a, if someone's suffering, they're suffering in their own way, the same way people are their own people. You know, every, everyone is their own unique person. And people suffer in their own unique way. And, and so it's becoming more and more of a thing within the workplace that employers are having to consider this. However, the tricky part for them is that they just have no idea how to bring it up, how to bridge the conversation, because quite frankly, they're not trained to. They're not, that's not what they got the job to do, right? They mm -hmm. usually they're a manager of X, they're a you know, a business owner of whatever. And now this mental health movement is what it is. And so what I like to do with my coaching is just simply let people know, like, listen, you have to initiate it. Like, and it's the hardest thing to tell someone and, and certainly the hardest thing for a person to wrap their head around. But the element of ownership that comes with mental health is that the person that's struggling in some way, shape or form has to find the courage to just simply say, I need help. And yeah. that's it. And that's where it starts. I think that there's, especially in corporate, there's a fear of the, um, confidentiality aspect. You don't want to step on a toes, you, you know, HIPAA laws or whatever all the things are. Um, but being able to also be ready to provide, you know, the extra help or services or time off if needed is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always coming from the world of sport, I always relate my mental health to the same way someone would if they had a sore back and they always went to see somebody uh, and they, you know, they, I have a sore back and I have to always go visit with you know, said doctor every single right. month to get yeah. some treatment or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. for me to this day, I still go get my mental massage with my therapist every yeah. month, not because I'm, you know, completely falling apart or struggling beyond belief or anything like that to maintain, to simply mm -hmm. maintain. And, and, and that's the beauty of mental health. When people actually look through it in the correct lens, yes, at the beginning of it, you may need help and you may really need to do something about it. But the beauty of it is it once you get to a certain point with it and you get that help, then it becomes a, a project of a simply maintenance. And then and, and, and you should never give up on that maintenance. That maintenance is the is the structure and the routine and the habits like we've talked about that you need to stay in the same space that you need to operate in and be happy with who you are. 
Do you feel like the stigma around mental health is is changing or? It, it it is it it is in a in it certainly in a positive way, but at the same time, as I was alluding to, with just the the struggle is still where does the conversation start? That remains the struggle. I, I I don't think the stigma is still there in the sense of, hey, if I meet someone who tells me that they're depressed or that they've had help meant uh, from a from a therapist standpoint, I don't think that stigma exists anymore. Where people somehow you know think less of you or have an issue with you. The, the, the issue now, I believe, is helping people in positions of influence on how to best start these conversations. Like that is the missing piece right now, because okay. again, people still don't have the courage to come forwards and say, hey, I need help or hey, I'm struggling. So how can we equip the people in the positions to initiate the conversations in a way better so that these conversations can happen more? And I suppose that also depends on if someone again is corporate versus you are like a third party coming in, you know, sure. almost you're not a therapist, but you know, as a coach, I feel like people might be more able or willing to talk with you about those kinds of things. Absolutely. And I've had a, I've had a couple of instances already in this young part of my business where I've been able to just stop someone and say, listen, this isn't a coaching thing anymore. You need help. You need to, <laughs> yeah. You need, yeah. You need to go talk to someone like this. Yeah. I'm not, because again, because I've been a beneficiary of mm -hmm. mental health, and I'm, I'm my therapist, my respect for it is enormous. I have so much mm -hmm. respect. So the last thing I'm ever going to do is try to serve one, serve someone as a mental health expert, because I'm yeah. not that. That's not what I am. And I think there's a lot of coaches, I hope, that could hear this message that I'm I'm declaring right now mm -hmm. and, and remind themselves that they're not either, that there's a very mm -hmm. dangerous, This is and this is the other side of it, is that we're in a very dangerous time now where coaching is becoming more prevalent it, there's a lot more of it in the world mm -hmm. and therefore people are starting to phrase and turn themselves as experts on this and this and this and we need to be careful that we're not trying to provide advice on something that we're actually not qualified to be yeah. providing it on you know uh changing gears a little bit are you um a fan of any particular tools books gear that have helped you in your journey into working from home over the last two years yes so my i guess my go-to um insight on something like that is is really how we frame the first and final 30 minutes of our day um you know everyone has the I, I, there's, there's a number of takes on this sort of thing over the years i've heard like you know don't do this before you go to bed and blah 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 and all this kind of <laughs> thing but for, for me for me what i like about framing it is this first and final 30 is that the way I sort of talk to people about this is how can you how can you set up your first 30 minutes for tomorrow by ensuring you're doing what you need to do with your final 30 minutes today? And the beauty of it too is that when you actually get into the habit of doing this consistently is that you realize quickly that those two 30 minutes, that combined hour, is the most control you actually have over your entire day it's a pretty interesting insight when you think of it that way, because you actually get to decide when you wake up and you get to decide when you go to bed. So you actually get to decide when those first and final 30 minutes are, you know, a lot of the time we can become victim to just like sleeping till the very last second and then just going to bed whenever the heck we want to go to bed. And now it's not that there's an issue with that. It's more just like, okay, what is that costing you in terms of the amount of control you have over the first and final 30 minutes of your day? And how is that having a knock-on effect to everything in between, you know? 
I was going to ask you for clarification, but you actually clarified because I wasn't sure if you meant like the first 30 and the final 30 minutes of your work day versus your actual full day, but you said before bed and when you wake up. So Mm -hmm. um, what does that look like for you? So for me, it's really important for me to get this first 30 minutes where I am clear and, and if I if I wake up and I don't feel clear, then I have a few things that I would like to that I like to do. One is just to sit with a coffee and just sort of think until my mind starts to clear and I find my ability to hold on to a thought for a little bit longer than maybe like two seconds. Um, I haven't and, finished and, my coffee yet today. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, that, that's the other thing too is that, that I'm actually setting up my my standard for how much coffee I'm going to drink that day too. If yeah. I go through an entire coffee in that first thirty minutes, I'm like, oof, this is going to be a lot of coffee today. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, you got know, that ability just to say to myself at that time of the day, Hey, I'm in control right now. You know, like actually telling myself almost within a dialogue, like, okay, you're in control of your day right now. You get to decide what you do with your day right now. What is it going to look like from here? And sometimes that is as simple as me just going to my computer and firing off a few emails and reading a few things or whatever it might be. But other times I'll stop and I'll just go, now would be a great time to just get outside and, and go for a run or, or go do something like th- it makes sense for you to do that right now. And, and I can have that in a dialogue and come with that clarity through the first 30 minutes of my day. But the final 30 minutes is where it, it really is the deciding factor for me, like that ability to just be disciplined and truly get everything done that I want to get done before the start of that final 30 minutes where I can just sort of sit usually with my wife and just really listen to her and check in on the day and see how she is in addition to that, read a few things, really calm down. And what I found, April, is that as I've started to really home in on this, the quality of my sleep has gone through the roof. Like I'm so just more, I I fall asleep quickly. I stay asleep longer. You know, it just allows me that ability to be completely dialed down and switched off when I go to sleep at night. Sounds like you had better sleep hygiene uh, techniques than I I had last night. Um, (laughs) So it sounds like you're not using electronics in those last 30 minutes. Sometimes um, I do. Sometimes okay. I do. Um, and again, like, I, again, that's, that's my, that's why I always push back with these, like, these are the absolutes that you need to do. It's just like, everyone's different. My wife will yeah. sit there playing solitaire until the uh-huh. moment she goes to sleep <laughs> Okay. and she sleeps just fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, do you take those final 30 minutes to plan your next 30 minutes when you wake up? A little bit. Yes. Not completely. I, I try to give myself a little bit of grace in that first 30 minutes the next morning of just like, something may creep in like flying to your brain at that time. And, and you, mm-hmm. you got to respect it and hear it. Uh, but for the most part, I have an idea of what I'm going to be doing in my first 30 minutes. Yeah. So, and I was asking if you had any other like physical tools, like, is there anything that you have used that has helped to make your work from home journey more comfortable? Um, I love my, I mean, if, if you if you meaning like physical in terms of objects yeah. like you know yeah so for, for me I, I love my notice board i love as we i don't know i don't know whether you call it a notice board in the u.s but anyway a bulletin board bulletin or like board a... yeah, yeah yeah i i love having these notes sometimes it, it's such a wide and no one can see me while i'm talking right now but i'm looking off to the right where my board is and it's random stuff like sometimes it's certain things that need to get done but sometimes I've, I've got a couple of things here. It's just like, it's a little message to myself. You know, I have a little message to myself right here. And sometimes I, it's just a variety of things that allows me to have a little bit of interaction without someone being around, if that makes sense. It's just like that, that ability to almost feel like you're interacting in a way without a human being being there. And it's just like point of reference, 
opportunity to put some stuff down. Sometimes I take it down. Sometimes there's a couple of things here that have been up for months and it's just me looking at a certain message and I appreciate it. I feel like I have the problem where I don't always continue to see things that are there. So I would have to change it more often. Um, I have a couple of things um, behind my computer that are very out of date. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking I should use that space more wisely. Um, I think it could be really like a, put a calendar there would probably help me. Yeah. And every, every two weeks I do like a full, like obliteration of my desk too. Really? Like it, I, I, yeah. I get like a few things that will pile up a couple books that sit there that I really don't even open for a couple of weeks. I'm like, are, are you going to read the book or are you just going to, should we just put it away? You know, it's <laughs> just like little things like that. Like every couple of weeks I just do a full, like, is this space even serving anything at this point or is it just a big pile of mess you know now is that something that you schedule or is that like you have an internal clock that just makes you like compelled to clean off your yeah desk? it's an internal clock there's no doubt about it no okay. doubt about it and it's it's pretty predictable now every two weeks yeah all right so as i told you before we started recording i usually do wrap up with a question about you know what would you if you were to give advice to someone who wanted to work from home for the first time, you know, what would you suggest? And I know your wife is just in this <laughs> position. So um, what would you suggest? For me, when I think back to my journey and I definitely shared, my, my wife had a few concerns, obviously. And the one thing I said to her, which is what I said to myself was, is this what you want to do? Is it what you want to do? And I know that sounds like a super simple question, but it requires some real thought. It's one thing to sort of see the pros and see the cons and all that kind of thing. But then it's just like, okay, knowing all those pros, knowing all those cons, knowing the situation you're going to be in, do you want to do this? Do you want to work from home? Because if you don't want to, at some point you'll realize that and you'll be too far along in the process at that point, you know? And so like that for me is, I like, it's a tough question when you start to actually look at it that way and find that compelling confidence behind the decision. But it's actually quite reassuring when you actually can convince yourself like, you know what, I do want to do this. I, I want to work from home. I want to see what I'm capable of doing in this environment and what I can do for myself. And so I think when you answer that question, clearly, a lot of other things fall into place after that. I feel like not everything is permanent, though. So if it's not going to work out, you know, in a year or so, you know, nowadays people can change or go oh. back to the office or go, you know, hybrid or, um, you know, it's not such the, the expectation isn't that you're going to stay in the same career. Like my, my own stepfather is retiring this week after 40 years in the exact same kind of job. Wow. Um, I think over 30 with one company and same position for 40 years. Um, mm. I'm not going to do that. Like I yeah. I'm changing <laughs> jobs every few years. Right. Um, right. So if, if someone does find that it's not going to work out for them, you can tweak it. Like you sure. can, you can, like you said, like you get out of the house to go see clients. Sometimes I actually get out of the house to go teach English two days a week. And I don't really, I mean, it's definitely a job and I really appreciate the paycheck It's very consistent. Um, but for me, it's my social time because I just mm -hmm. love the people that I'm with. And to me, it's getting out of the house. Yeah, there's no doubt. But you get to make it your own. There's no doubt about it. And yeah. I think that's that definitely that second or the caveat, if you will, to what I was saying is that, you know, one, know that you want to do it. And if you do feel great about that decision. And then secondly, it's like, okay, from that moment on, you get to make it your own. Like, how do you how are you going to make it your own? So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a fun ride. Let's put it that way. And I'm enjoying it. Steve, uh, where can people find you your your coaching your book? 
Yes. So koreacompetitor.com is the name of the business is the website. Uh, as much as I love pointing people in that direction, I much rather people just reach out and say hi. So steve at koreacompetitor.com. Uh, I do have a podcast as well. It's all the same, Career Competitor. It's the name of the podcast. Um, and then the book is just Shock the World, A Competitor's Guide to Realizing Your Potential. You can find it on Amazon or you can just literally send me an email and I will show you how you can just buy it directly from me. I'll put it in a nice personal note and all that sort of thing. So you get a little bit of a benefit from buying it from directly from the author. And it's the same price too. So can't complain. Awesome. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Work from home. It's good. <laughs> it's <laughs> it fun. Good. I enjoy it. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, this has been April Malone with the SA Work From Home and Steve Mella, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>